Greetings. My name is Dominique Bramante, and this is Season with Salt. Today, I am privileged to have a guest with me by the name of Professor Ihan, or Brother Eric. And he um, is celebrating today because it is his final um, day in his 30s. And uh, first of all, let's just start by um, uh, sharing the layers of your identity for the folks that can't see you. Okay. Well, first, I'm very grateful to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Appreciate you, Don. I am a black male from East Oakland, right. in the Bay Area, California. Those who are unaware, but East Oakland may reside. I am 6'1". I guess you are. I am. Well, that's funny. Okay. I'm tall, so I never like realize how other tall other people are until they say it. Yeah. Everybody's just short. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, um, yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting question when somebody's always asking about your identity. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with figuring out what is it that they really want to know because yeah. I have multiple hats and I identify, people identify me in different spaces for different right. things. Okay. I usually ask because, like, it gives people, especially with like in a podcast or radio, it gives people context because um, if you want to best, like a part of my identity is I'm a foster kid, so like or I'm a former foster youth, and so if you want to really understand my perspective, like I think that that's a powerful layer of my identity that you need to be exposed to. Mm. Um, so, but I do think that sometimes when people ask that, they're talking about like. You know, what do you look like? You know, how what you how you identify ethnically or racially, or yeah. what social constructs do you throw yourself into? Um, so yeah, I can see the frustration or concern with having to de- describe yourself. Yeah, and I have a lot of layers to me. Yeah, I'm a Gemini, mm-hmm. and I act in Gemini fashion. And so, depending on the Gemini that's present, you mm-hmm. can get it. My grandma used to, my birth grandma used to always be like, oh yeah, you're Scorpio. You just, just be like, I just, I don't know what that means. What is it? If, if I'm going to like walk away from this discussion being like, here's what Gemini is like, do like, how would you describe that in two or three sentences? Gemini's are highly intelligent wit pragmatic, rationally focused beings okay. who are easily disengaged and displeased by what they perceive to be a lack of higher consciousness or okay. or intelligence or something to sustain their particular curiosity. Now, what makes matters a little more complex is that I was born, if you believe in Chinese astrology, astrology, I think I'm saying that wrong, but in Chinese tradition, I was born the year of the monkey. Oh, me too. I know I'm born in the year of the monkey. You're 1980? 79. Okay, 79. Oh, I guess 79 and 80. Okay, I thought I was the year of the monkey. So you you couple the monkey, who's very curious, Uh playful, Uh with a Gemini air sign, Uh you know, you get somebody who... uh, can be pretentious in moments. People, I've heard that I, I, I can be pretentious. I heard I come off as abrasive. Uh-huh. I've heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, all right. We actually, had, we actually had a conversation today. I, I uh, 
had I spoke to that individual. Oh, good. Okay, cool. Okay, so this is cool. This is a good segue. So, like all these overlapping identities, and I think you said first that you identify as a black man. Like, you, if, if you can, because this is a very pointed question, if you can um, describe to me how 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 being all those things um, has shaped the black man that you have been in your 30s. Mm, I like that. I like that. I think to answer that, though, I would have to go preceding my 30s and really start with my childhood. And what's, you know, uh, my background is in counseling psychology, so I have a great affinity for understanding on a mentally holistic level the way that we we operate Mm -hmm. as beings Mm -hmm. and individuals culturally and and community. Mm -hmm. And we spend the least amount of our time as children and young adults, mm-hmm. yet that zero to 14, 15 stage mm-hmm. has the most impression on who we are in upper adolescence and into our adulthood mm-hmm. and through maturity. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I come from a very large family. My grandmother mm-hmm. had eight, uh, eight kids. Mm-hmm. My, mo- my mother was the second to the youngest next to the twins. Mm-hmm. And even though I came from a very big family, I had a, there's a lot of we have very clannish, we have a lot of community values. Mm-hmm. My, I come from a very traumatic, emotional, and unstable familial background. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time with a lot of different people mm-hmm. in a lot of different spaces and seeing my mom be remarried and married, divorced, remarried, remarried, divorced. And what that has done is that I was extremely independent mm-hmm. by out of survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but was also ex- just as extremely rebellious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as I moved into my 30s, it was after my doctorate, my uh, EDD, pro- mm-hmm. my master's program, mm-hmm. where I really started dealing with my own trauma. Mm-hmm. So my 30s has been a season of me maturing through and understanding my trauma and coming into this work that I do now where mm-hmm. I earn a living for where I get a check for, but really it's a mission, it's a ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a very long answer. No, no, it was good. It was good because like I th- I think that that's true. Like we which which gets back to one of the reasons why I asked about the layers of people's identity because again, if you want to best understand somebody, like you gotta know where they come from and what they have overcome. And like like I have that I have similar um, experiences with like really dealing and facing with the, like the trauma that I experienced as a young man, like in my thirties, but also having to show up at work every day and get paid to like navigate other people's trauma, mm-hmm. which I think it is like it's a it's a really interesting thing for black men, and I can understand like so there is this stigma that like. You know, let, let's take all the layers that you have described today, like the, your 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 family upbringing, like what you have learned inherently or directly or indirectly from like your your parents' relationships, uh, your identity as a Gemini, your identity as somebody born in the year of the monkey. All these things like show up in a space where people might say, "Oh, he's an angry black man." Hmm. Um, how, how have you navigated? Like the, that idea of being an angry black man as you matured. That's I love that question. Mm-hmm. And hell yeah, I am an angry black man. Mm-hmm. I'm angry that I grew up marginalized. I'm angry that I my 
my families from slaves. I'm mm-hmm. angry that I didn't freaking study science and didn't have no inheritance. I'm angry that I'd be micro and macro aggressed in society and on my job. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I am an angry black man. Mm-hmm. But me being an angry black man doesn't equate to not being intelligent, mm-hmm. not having and living insane truth. Mm-hmm. And so I usually combat that stigma with embracing it. Mm-hmm. And I think not enough of our, I don't think not enough black men take on that as a, as, and realize really, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of trauma, but that doesn't make me a bad individual. Mm-hmm. If anything, it makes me authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's it's kind of just my goal is just mm-hmm. to be radically transparent mm-hmm. as often as I can be. And there's moments I'm still mm-hmm. growing through that. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind being an angry black man. I mean, shit, look around. Some some people should be angry too. Yeah. So yeah. So so this this march toward authenticity, which means that you have to own the fact that, like, yes, I get angry. I live in a space of anger because of what is because. Almost to, to, to an extent, because people are happy in the spaces they occupy, especially like in their in in their white power and like like Donald Trump is very happy. Oh, <laughs> right, listen, right. if I was if I was a billionaire, right. inherited a million bucks, mm-hmm. made a living off building real estate, mm-hmm. going bankrupt, building more real estate, did mm-hmm. being on TV, and then I was joking around. By being on TV, like right. I could do better than that black guy in mm-hmm. office, and then they actually put me in office. Mm-hmm. Man, shit, we all be around here right. talking like happy. we talking happy. happy. Listen, I don't agree with Donald Trump's politics, mm-hmm. but Donald Trump is the epitome of what white privilege and, all about. and, and uh, patriarchy is all about. Mm-hmm. And yes, as a black man, we would be we we would. It would be hard for us to say we wouldn't be acting the same way if we had the same kind of privilege. Mm-hmm. That he, he doesn't have a care in the world, right? Well, you, you know. So I think that's a, a, a part of what we're talking about with regard to black and anger. It's interesting because the people who have defined what it means to be rational are these happy people that benefit from all this privilege. Yes, and so. It, I don't want to get into this too deeply, but like, I think that's sort of how we've gotten to the place where like we're a divided community in a sense, because you have some people have bought into this idea of happiness and and rationality. You got to be quiet. Like you got to like somehow like, like box your anger in to an extent so that you don't upset this hierarchy so that you can also like climb the ladder yourself. Um, and I'm wondering how we tell, because I see just, just by knowing you, that you and I both share an affinity for like mentoring black men. Like if you're talking to a 25-year-old black man who is dealing with anger, but wants to get into a top engineering program, <laughs> right? Like dealing with anger, but wants to navigate these spaces and create opportunities for black men to have first. Like, how do we navigate that? Like, how do we, how do we manage the authenticity of having a right to be angry, but also wanting to matriculate and graduate and grow and, and live what is called the American dream? It's, it's, it's no one way of doing it. It's, yeah. it's, it's not linear. 
it is through trial and error. Mm -hmm. And I often tell the young man that I do advocate for mentors that beyond anything else, live your truth, Mm -hmm. live your truth in such a way that you're not purposefully impacting somebody negatively, Mm -hmm. but your intentions are pure Mm -hmm. and it is difficult Mm -hmm. and it's a, and it takes a lot of growth and, you know, I, I too, and growing and there is no one way to, to do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's less, it's, it's, it's an art. Mm-hmm. It's about, yeah. you know, abstract or very concrete and you're painting the canvas as you go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you're learning what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes you make very broad strokes and those strokes to one person is a disconnect and a discord to the eye or aesthetically, but to somebody else, it is beautiful. Is beauty and beautiful. And I tell my young men that you are not doing this for yourself Mm -hmm. primarily, but you're doing it for the next young man that needs you to get to the space that you're going Mm -hmm. before they can get to where they're going because it's only you, not me. It's you who can get into the space that's going to affect and have and have and have some kind of um, change and charge to somebody looking up to you. So it's it is it's a balancing act. It's difficult, yeah. But I think that's what life is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, on to your point, like we we have been given um, or afforded or blessed with a certain amount of privilege because we're educated African American men. Have we though? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there there are people who have not been afforded the privilege of even being where we are right now, having this conversation. I mean, so to a certain extent, we we experience some level of privilege. We do. You know what I call my education? What do you call it? Reparations that they owe me. Reparations, but are you paying for it? Shit, they they go. Uh, you got to pay for reparations. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay for your reparations. <laughs> They're gonna be doing. They're gonna give me this loan forgiveness. They're gonna they're gonna wipe this debt away. Um, right. But yes, we do have a certain level of privilege as mm-hmm. as black men. I mean, we have privilege. Everybody has privilege, right? But it's about the locus, a focus of your privilege, and about the magnitude of one privilege. Mm-hmm. And as a black man living in America, especially right now, mm-hmm. your privilege is muted mm-hmm. at all times, mm-hmm. and it's very minuscule to the larger population. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have privileges being a male over a female. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you have privilege, sort of speak to culture. But beyond that, my education doesn't stop a cop from killing me. My That's education right. isn't going to get me into a bank and get a housing loan mm-hmm. with a low interest rate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right. the, the education, what it does do, and this is what I tell my students, you're going to school for self-improvement, but mm-hmm. that's not really what it's about. Mm. The education life in the professional world is a door. Mm-hmm. It's a house. Mm-hmm. And imagine going into a house and somebody gives you a key. Mm-hmm. We all got the initial key. You go into the house and you're in this big house, mm-hmm. but every single door is locked. Mm-hmm. There's no furniture mm-hmm. and every single door is locked. Mm-hmm. Bathroom, patio, garage, upstairs, down, everything's mm-hmm. locked, but you're in the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As you start matriculating through the education process, you're getting more keys mm-hmm. and then you're starting to unlock the back door and mm-hmm. you go, it's like, Oh, that back door lead to another house and you need a key for that house. Okay. Then you get another key. Oh, 
that goes into this other room and that other room got couches. It's got this in there. And the keys that we acquire through education is the relationships mm-hmm. and sometimes the, the knowledge and the way to say the words. Mm-hmm. And so as black men deal with their anger and get through it, the education process helps you get more keys on your ring like a janitor so you can just unlock the doors to the healing that you need, Mm -hmm. to the agency or the wording that you need. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't even know how to express what it is that we're dealing with, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To the person that's going to put you to where you need to Mm -hmm. be based off the relationships that you build. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, we're just trying to uh, acquire some more keys. Yeah. You know, I need that golden master key. Yeah, because I think that, I mean, sometimes like you, like, we navigate houses and we get more and more keys, but then you you realize like when it's time to make or impact real change that like you are the renter and and, and you got a white landlord. Oh yeah. And, and and I'm saying that because like in this day of space, like white folks like know what to say. <laughs> and there are some really great white folks that are the homeowners and they and they and, and the landlords and they are allies or they present themselves to be allies, but they have been occupy, occupying spaces that we can use our privilege to be like, okay, I got this. Appreciate you <laughs> like for for helping out. Like and now I can take my rightful place that your ancestors stole from me. In the educational space, like how do how do we have those how how do we have those discussions? Like we have matriculated, we got a full set of keys, and now like I need to I need to have a a, a, a more intentional connection with Black male success on my campus, and I need and, but there's currently a white woman doing that. Like yeah, yeah, it's and I and we was just talking with this earlier with some people, but it's it's a it's a political landscape mm-hmm. at all levels that you navigate. Mm-hmm. And there's choices in the matter. Mm-hmm. One can choose to go the direct route, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more jarring mm-hmm. and which is to say, hey no, uh, I'm not asking for permission mm-hmm. and I'm not cowering out and I'm going to take what's mine. I'm taking what's mine. And that's what we call, you know, the Harriet, the Mm -hmm. the Huey, you Mm -hmm. know, Malcolm earlier in the stages. Then there's the more diplomatic Gandhi, Cesar Chavez, Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Then you got some people that's kind of in that gray middle space, like a James Baldwin, Mm -hmm. W.E.B. Du Bois, Mm -hmm. right? And Obama, Mm -hmm. where to some extent, Mm -hmm. they're kind of saying, yeah, let's go. I'm going to get it my way. I'm going to get it my way. But to another extent, they're saying, Okay, yes, and I we can do that and let me not raise my voice right. and me personally I struggle. Yeah. I struggle cuz mm-hmm. the heart of me is like fuck your privilege. Mm-hmm. Get this this is it. Like mm-hmm. get out the way. Mhm. Ludicrous move, bitch. Get out mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then there's another side of me that recognizes my stature. Six right. one, mm-hmm. dark male, mm-hmm. braids or afro, mm-hmm. loud voice. Mm-hmm. And here's the kicker. Mm-hmm. That is just what pop culture and what they have done with uh, media to hyper mm-hmm. masculize the black male mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a vigilant and, and mm-hmm. animal and uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they're most afraid of when mm-hmm. I step into a space. Mm-hmm. What they're most afraid of is when I get to open in my mouth right. and they hear, mm-hmm. oh, this brother's got a little sense. Right, especially if I've been reading a book or I've yeah. been getting revelation. Yeah. And 
He's got a little sense and he knows how to communicate that sense. Mm -hmm. And we can't control him. Mm -hmm. That is when you're really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And that's when they really start swinging at you a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's all about control. Mm -hmm. It's all about control. And they want to control what we say, how Mm -hmm. we say it. Um, You know, yes, what you said is right, but it's the way you said it. And don't be dismissive of people who've come before you. And that's not right. Mm -hmm. But what's not right is you not understanding that my lived experience has brought me to this place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where I have no more fucks to give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, if, if you show up with that attitude, because that's the attitude that the world has essentially like handed you, like it's almost like your fault, not your fault, but the world's fault. Like if you, if you show up with that, but you also carry the burden of being an example to the people that you mentor, like that just seems like a, like a, like a really difficult place to sit in because you want to be a good example. You want to see young black men matriculate through these systems, but you also want the systems to improve for them, right? Like you want them to attain the skill to become more dangerous through their ability to influence people with through their thoughts and their intellect and so on and so forth. Do you know why they killed the black bank? Why did they kill the black bank? The same reason why they eventually killed Martin and Malcolm. Mm -hmm. And it's because the image Mm -hmm. They, they, the proverbial they, meaning white, the white, the dominant culture, white supremacist patriarchy, understands that if black people see other black people, mm-hmm. that's what they're going to emulate. Mm-hmm. And that is the reason why you have this colonial pop culture, which is dominated by white corporations, mm-hmm. Viacom, mm-hmm. Sony, Disney, Absolutely. the music industry. Got your own TV acting up, that, fighting, <laughs> loving hip hop. So no shade. Listen, listen, listen. No shade to the my people, the black people who are earning a living. Right. But you know, ask Paul Robeson how he felt about Sam Bowen mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and all of that. And and we got. And the more we know, the more dangerous we are. And so they don't want. And so getting back to the point, how I show up for my students is I got to just be, mm-hmm. I got to show them that, yeah, look, it's not fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a burden. Mm-hmm. And it's a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I'm here. Mm-hmm. I come from East Oakland. I, mm-hmm. You know, you know I, I done been in jail. I done mm-hmm. been homeless. Uh, I'm living on the streets. I done been shot. Out. And it doesn't have to always be so negative. Right? I come from mm-hmm. a single parent home. I went to a white college at mm-hmm. St. Mary's College and got my master's with all white people in Moraga, California. Mm-hmm. So I can survive. Mm-hmm. You can see that you're not the only one. And then they have enough. And sometimes it's all the hope they need to be like, I got it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to be perfect. Man, these, man, listen, these brothers, sisters, they don't want to see us perfect. And that, that's the thing. Our elders, and I, I'm not dirtbagging our elders, and mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, mm-hmm. but I like Kanye. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Podcasters have turned it off right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah. But 
I like Kanye because he's apologetically him mm-hmm. in all spaces, and he doesn't need the whole comedian culture to say to give him validation to be him, mm-hmm. whether I agree or disagree with some of his sayings or politics mm-hmm. and maybe his missteps, right? But you get people like Oprah and you know Denzel and Beyonce, and, the, and I'm just naming prolific black entertainers that yeah. that our cultures look up to, and they're perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no error for error, and and a lot of our elders are teach that kind of pedagogy, that mm-hmm. kind of theology. Like black people got to be perfect, mm-hmm. and no, don't step on this, don't say that, mm-hmm. don't do this, mm-hmm. don't get out of line. Listen, listen, they killing us anyway by mm-hmm. making us slaves, right, right. and so it don't matter if you're gonna get whipped mm-hmm. or shot. We still slay that. So you might as well get some kind of liberation in the process. It's funny because I think that that's like, that feels to me like the conversation that somebody had with Martin Luther King, like when he was just trying to be like preacher Martin Luther King and somebody was like, hey, we need you to this Montgomery bus boycott. And he's like, preachers don't get arrested. And it's like, actually, like, <laughs> I need you to get arrested yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that the people who follow you because of your faith, can see that you got to do some crazy stuff for freedom. Like, that you got to do some stuff that, like, challenges norms and makes even your own people uncomfortable. And there's a whole lot of people, it's kind of interesting because I was looking at, like, the history of Sacramento and the Black Panther Party and, like, how, like, these Black folks from across the state, primarily the Bay Area, are coming into Sacramento and, like, making statements at at the Capitol. And there was, like, uber, super comfortable Sacramentans that were, like, we ain't going down there for that mess. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) but ultimately, like, we all benefit from their resilience, from the fact that they they, they were comfortable with taking the sacrifice to not be perfect. Or Everybody to, calls you crazy until it works. Right. But, or in, until it works for them because of what you have sacrificed. Yeah. yeah. Everybody calls you yeah. crazy. And so, yeah, you know, and, but that's part of people being who they really are. Right. You know, let people be who they really are. Right. So this 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 quest for like fearlessness and being your authentic self and not being afraid to be angry or, or, or not being able to name the things that you experience um, is is something that black men should embrace. And we also need to deal with our trauma, right? Like we need to deal with it for our mentees. We need to deal with it for our sons and daughters, for our students, for everybody. But most importantly, like, you know, we need to be, we need to be present. And, and, and we need to understand the power of presence. And is there anybody in your life, like a faculty member, a mentor, somebody who who best displayed that, that you can think of? Mm. Man, countless. I got countless of people that I've watched come up. Mm-hmm. One of my mentors in my college, Dr. Sosa, Gloria mm-hmm. Sosa. She's the bomb, mm-hmm. Cuban lady. Yeah, I'm talking about black men. Oh, black men, mm-hmm. black men. Man, Tupac, yeah. Kanye, mm-hmm. um, they raised me, mm-hmm. you know. And I know people, this is unpopular to say, but Bill Cosby raised me. This, mm-hmm. These are the people who, yeah. when I was coming up, raised me. I didn't. I didn't have a father in my life. Mm-hmm. My grandfather wasn't in my in his kids' life, mm-hmm. so he wasn't in my mother's life. 
and I had my older cousins. Mm -hmm. And then I had a group of friends I came up with since childhood. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. We literally raised each other. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got our influences mm -hmm. from and from the culture of the streets. So, you know, I'm, I am attempting to be what I wish I had right, when right. I needed it. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be my next question. Just how how can we do that? Like like you you got a room full of like you know like we live in a world where everybody's an opportunist and like we're getting sold the this idea that like you got to be you know strong enough to be pulling in double income and like you got to you got to be making money and you got to be doing this stuff. But how can we be present? Like how can we be more present? For young black men that are watching us, and how can we be to a community of black men what we didn't have? Doing things like this, having this podcast, and showing up. I mean, part of the part of the biggest thing I always talk. One of my favorite movies is uh, Baby Boy, mm -hmm. Tyrese mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Taraji P. It was on BET the other night, mm -hmm. and I love that movie because it to a degree, it epitomizes how I came up in the mm -hmm. relationship me and my mother had. Mm -hmm. And I remember fighting her husbands and her boyfriends, mm -hmm. and all I was yearning was like, why do you always need a man in your life? Why can't mm -hmm. it just be me and you, mama? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the famous lines is mom, Jody, Jody the actor, but Tyrese, mm -hmm. uh, Jody the character, Tyrese plays the actor. He's having a conversation with his mom, similar vein, and his mm -hmm. mom's like, Mama got to have a life too, Jody. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like one of my fav favorite quotes. And mm -hmm. I said, I'll let's say that all my life, I just wanted somebody to be there. Mm -hmm. And how we be that for black, how we do that for young black men is to be there. Mm -hmm. Just show up mm -hmm. at the football games. Uh, one of my homeboys just went to go see another mentee um, who's on trial, mm -hmm. go to his court date and just was there to show support. Just. Yeah. You know, so I think what is needed is presence. Yeah, and and that could come a lot of ways, but you know, you know, black, and that's where I think the black community has been detriment has had a detriment. The black male traditionally hasn't been present. Right, and that was created during slave times when that's the work that they did to separate families. Oh yeah, and we have just fallen into that. It, it definitely was intentional to separate the man from his family because, again, the black man is the vegetables, is the protein, mm -hmm. and, the, and the dietary, if you want to use that as a metaphor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the black family. Uh, yeah. And for years, decades, black women have had to carry that load, mm -hmm. and that's that's not okay, and we don't need that. But the effect that has had on the children. And specifically the black male children of these disbanded black families has made it so young black men come into educational spaces with a chip on their shoulder, mm -hmm. feeling um, detached mm -hmm. and having no regard for what is positive mm -hmm. relationships look like with another black male. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of intersectionalities between their trauma and their identity and then how that basically manifests into their inter and intrapersonal relations mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do is help them heal through critical reflection mm -hmm. and just 
sitting with their true self. And, you know, there's things, there's agencies that we need for that process, which is, right. you know, spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, mental, just, you know, physical. So, mm-hmm. you know, I try to incorporate those things as well. Yeah. But more than anything, we just got to be more present. Yeah. You know, showing up. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. And, and hopefully there are others who listen to this episode and they take some reflection about what their process has been to be present. Um, because I think um, we have done enough talking, like in general, as a community about what people need to do, what women need to do, what black men need to do. I think it's really tired for us to like take action. It and is. I like what you said about like facilitating healing through critical reflection, because the, that, that reflection piece, that thinking, I think is, is something that society has told us, like you don't have to do it in a healthy way. And we, what we do is we give black men the confidence to believe that they can accomplish anything with their physical body. Um, we tell them that they, they have the ability to go out on the field and do X, Y, and Z, but we don't talk about what they have the ability to do intellectually. Yes. I think that if we start having those discussions about like the healing that can take place through critical reflection and like through like just, just owning and, and, and discussing like our identities and how we got here. Um, I think we can all heal. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I want to encourage you in that area to continue. Um, and also, you know, to realize that it, it, the, the more work we do to create these um, paths for freedom, especially emotionally and mentally and spiritually for other black men, the more it is going to stress out structure. Yes. Right. Like it's going to make people uncomfortable. Is if people are going to question our value and it's not going to be because of who we are or what we're doing. It's going to be just like the people that we have mentioned already, like our influence is going to make people feel uncomfortable, but it's going to set another black man free so that he can facilitate that change in the life of another black man. I think we need to own that and embrace that and just be centered in the outcome of what we're doing. Yes. And we, and we just, just could put one foot in front of the other, you know, I had an opportunity to kick it with Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a great time. Did he steal from that store? I don't know. But a quick digression. Mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman is super, super brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think, that's why the, I think that's why he makes people uncomfortable. He's an example of I'm going to do what I, what I want to do. Like when I want to do it, how yes. I want to do it. I don't have you. There's no box. You can't, you can't put me in like, nothing. Yeah. But he's crazy. You can see the effects that long-term drug oh, yeah, alcohol yeah. Absolutely. has had because he goes in and out from one conversation. But he's brilliant, and I really, I really take to heart one of the. You know, he told me this while we was hanging out. He said, "Ae, all you, all you got to do." no matter what, is keep grooving mm-hmm. and moving mm-hmm. to the songs of life. Mm-hmm. Because... Was he drunk? Well, we have been drinking. Okay. <laughs> keep moving and grooving. To, to the, the songs, songs of life. Okay. And he said, because everybody got their own soundtrack. Yeah. And even in your playlist, there's going to be some times where you want to jiggle, 
sometimes where you want to moan, some, mm-hmm. some songs that's going to make you cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as long as you just keep moving and grooving with the songs of life, you're going to make progress. And I, and, and, and I try to emulate that and have that resonate yeah. with my black students and my yeah. black males. Cool. Appreciate you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll talk more later, I'm sure. Yes, we will. All right. Bye-bye.